Welcome to episode 286 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. I'm your host, Canada. About to get married in a few days. I can't wait. I'm super excited. Brenda is just incredible. She's been doing all this amazing stuff, prepping for the wedding. Um, all I have to do is write the checks to pay for most of it. No, she's incredible. The intangibles that a great partner brings to someone in their life is 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 what makes life so special. So I can't wait to marry this girl. I'm so looking forward to it. Um, all right, so here's the deal. I want to talk about on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast why um, I deleted episode 285. I want to go into a little bit more detail about that and what I think deleting that episode means and why there was pressure to delete it. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the pinball news going on in the world, um, but let's just do a little fun little typical Canada's Pinball podcast. This won't be a long hour show. I think you guys like the short and digestible episodes as well. Um, I hope you all enjoyed Blake and me doing the twerpy special edition episode, uh, on episode 285, the new one. Um, it was a lot of fun. And I think when you're picking the worst in pinball, I think it actually is much more beneficial to discuss why you're making your selections. And I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it and maybe you agreed with what we picked, but we'll see how our selections come to fruition when the actual Twerpy Awards are aired by Head to Head Pinball. All right, so I want to read an email from you guys because this gets right into the heart of why I deleted the episode. So this is from um, podcast listener Joey, and he says, Chris... Can you give me some details on the wholesale pricing of your deleted episode? I listened to all your episodes and missed the last one because of the holiday. I am very surprised you deleted it because Stern doesn't give two shits about you and won't allow any of their employees on your show, yet they allow them to go on the other podcasts that are inferior to yours. You have always been respectful of any Stern guest when on your show, and it's a dick move on their part in my honest opinion. I work in manufacturing, so know what something costs to make versus what you sell it for profit, and now is it's bugging me wanting to know what I missed in your deleted episode. How do you break the news to your eBay buyer of your Beatles diamond machine? It was a joke. <laughs> okay. I got moderated for just saying your name a few weeks ago, and all I was doing was answering a question that someone else asked. I see others mention your name all the time and not get moderated, so guess I'm not in the pinside circle jerk club that gets special privileges. Thanks, Joey. Well, here's the deal. Joey, first of all, first of all, thank you for listening to Kenny's Pinball Podcast. And here's the deal. The reason why I took down episode 285 um, was simply because there was about a 15 to 20 minute portion of that episode in which I discussed Stern's wholesale pricing or, or like the ballpark of Stern's wholesale pricing. And I aired, you know, Nick Parks's comments around that. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Um, what? It was out there. It, it was listened to by over a thousand people. And I did Nick Parks a solid by removing the words coming from Nick Parks' mouth. And, you know, I'm super happy that Nick shared a lot of information with us. And I don't think anything he said is a complete shock to anybody out there. All right, Stern's got this big factory. They have hundreds of employees making these machines on the line. If you think the actual cost to Stern is anywhere near 
the cost of the machine that you buy. I think you're, you're, you know, you're fooling yourself. And we've, we've had a lot of debate on this show about, you know, are we getting our value in Stern pinball machines? But before I go into that, I, I want to talk about the fact that, you know, Stern put pressure on individuals to remove those comments. It, they didn't put pressure on me. They, they, they would never come to me. And I think the part that people need to start realizing, and, and this is just, you know, Stern needs to realize this. Nick Parks needs to realize this. Anyone who comes on this show needs to realize this. Um, Nirmal and Davil need to realize this, and Josh Kluger need to realize this when they avoid this show at all costs. This pinball podcast has influence. If you think it doesn't, if you think we're just, you know, shouting at the clouds and nobody listens to Canada's Pinball Podcast and this podcast can't impact any sales of your product, you're wrong. 1,500 to 2,000 people listen to every single episode we put up. And I want to thank all of you who listen. And you know who listens to this podcast? It's not people who are tournament players because guess what? I never talk about tournament play. I never talk about scoring and all that shit, all right? I talk about pinball as a collectible hobby, all right? Buying and selling pinball machines. Are we getting our value in machines? I cover the drama that ensues when manufacturers try to release pinball games into the market. I cover the marketing around each of these games. I give you my opinion on whether or not I would buy a game, and I tell you why. And if these manufacturers think that telling 2,000 people something about your company doesn't have an impact, I think they're fooling themselves. Because unlike Pinside and unlike that forum where it's just, you know, it, it's so much of a chaotic clusterfuck on Pinside, this is a one-way dialogue, right? Unless I'm interviewing someone, you are getting my opinion about a product. This is a review of pinball, of machines and manufacturers and their practices. Now, in, in any other area of the world, a show like this, a show like Head to Head Pinball, a show like um, Straight Down the Middle, they would be considered the media, right? Pinball media, pinball influencers. Who is talking to my potential buyers that actually has influence? And if you think that we have no influence and that Zach and Greg have no influence and Ryan and Marty have no influence on your decision-making um, or on your customer's decision-making, I think you're wrong. And I'm not, I'm not saying that with any arrogance or any ego, but the fact of the matter is, if I come on here and say, you know, Houdini shoots like shit, I would never buy one and you shouldn't either. Well, do you think that helps or hurts? someone who might be on the fence of that machine. And I get, everyone's a grown adult and they can go play the games themselves, but I can tell you it doesn't help, all right? And it does help when people come on this show and tell the story about their machines, right? That gets people excited. When Christopher Franchi comes on this show and talks about his games, it gets people excited. When George Gomez came on this show, it got people excited. When Jersey Jack came on the show, it gets people excited. Right? Because this is a great medium to tell the stories behind the games you're making. Okay, So my point is this. This show has influence. And you know who listens to this show? Stern Pinball. 
and the people over there. And they won't admit it. They'll never admit it. They'll never come on the show. Um, but I don't know why, right? And it's cool. They can ignore me all they want. And I'm not, as you know, I'm not on a mission to take down Stern Pinball. But when Nick Parks came on the show and shared some information that was of sensitive nature uh, in, you know, between him and Stern, uh, and he asked me to delete it, I, I'm also not a jerk. Like, I'll delete it. I'll get rid of, like, the comments that he said. Uh, but also, we live in the internet age. We live in an age where a lot of people just have automatically downloaded my show. And they have the file. And it's not something that you can just scrub from the interwebs. And you can't scrub from people's minds. And anyone can go on Pinside who has that episode. And they could tell people... Here's what Stern's MSR, you know, here's what the wholesale price of a Stern machine is. And I'm shocked that nobody goes on Pinside and starts a thread that says, hey, I heard on, you can't even say Canada's Pinball Podcast. They usually say, Joey, K-Man's Podcast or the podcast that cannot be named. I heard that Stern's wholesale price of games is this. And that is a really interesting discussion to be had on Pinside. And I, I again, it just goes to show that Pinside has all these garbage topics popping up left and right. But this is a topic that actually would be of value to discuss because, you know, it actually will get people to think twice about whether or not they are getting the machines uh, that are worth what they're paying right? Is the value there? And I'm just going to go out on a limb here, all right? And you can call me crazy, but I would say the actual cost to Stern to actually make a game, right? Their cost to make a game, and I'm not sure if this is including overhead or not, but the actual physical cost of materials to make a game for Stern Pinball is probably somewhere between two and $3,000, okay? Two and $3,000, which means by the time you pay $9,000 for an LE, you're paying three times probably what the materials are in that machine. And I might be wrong. I might be right. I welcome anyone over at Stern to come on the show and explain to me you know, if, if, if what goes into it. Tell the story. You don't have to tell me the prices. You don't have to r reveal sensitive information. But you know, I doubt they will. I doubt they will. But here's the thing too, it doesn't matter. It does doesn't matter that Stern's cost two or four or three or five or six. They're the only pinball company that actually has their shit together for the most part, right? Chicago Gaming, I think, has their shit together too. But Stern does so much more than anyone else in the industry. And and don't for a minute think that I, you know I'm here to hurt Stern's bottom line. Um, but what I think this show tries to do, and if I could have any influence on people out there who listen to this show, it's, it's to not just run at every single new thing Stern does with your wallets open and with, you know, don't fall victim to the hype machine that they try to create with every new launch. Now, that being said, Stern's not doing anything wrong. You know, and, and I want to talk a little bit about this when I talk about Primus next, because what does Stern actually do wrong? You know, how can you fault a company that actually makes pinball machines available for you to buy? How can you fault a pinball machine that actually builds profit 
into their machines, right? They should. Stern should make money for 35 plus years or 30 plus years of figuring out how to survive as a pinball company, right? All those lean years, all those lean years where they almost went under, they deserve to have a period where they're making gravy, right? Where they're simply crushing it when it comes to money and profit. They deserve it because they survived and they carried this entire industry on their back. And this is not me shilling Stern, but you can't ever, you can't ever look at Stern and point fingers and saying they're doing it wrong because not one other company has done it better. Not one other company has got as many machines out the door as Stern. Not one other company has the customer service that Stern has. Not one other company, you know, releases three to four new pinball machines a year to satiate your, your hunger for new pinball, right? I mean, they do it. They go to all the shows. They bring all the games. They make themselves available when it matters. Yeah, so what? They're not on pin side. We'll talk a little bit about that later. All right? But you can't ever point a finger at Stern and say, what are they doing? Because the other thing Stern doesn't do is they don't force any of you to buy any of their products. Right? Stern has never put a gun to your head and forced you to buy anything. Stern has never asked you for a single penny of pre-order money to make a machine. They've never let anyone down. Nobody in the history of Stern Pinball has ever bought a game and not received it, right? Just think about that for a moment. Nobody has ever in the history of pinball ordered a Stern game and had to wait a year for it. No one ever ordered a Stern game and had to wait six months for it. No one ordered a Stern game and had to even wait like four months for it. Do you see what I'm getting at here, All right? I have a lot of appreciation for Stern, but I'm also not going to just like bend over and, and, and like remove information from the world that you should know about. And so you heard like, you know, wholesale around a Stern machine is somewhere around $4,000 for a pro. All right, that's for a pro. I don't know what the premium is. I don't know what the LE is, but that's what was said. And is that so damaging? Did you not think that a distributor is going to probably make like $500 plus for every one sold? They have to. The, the, the genius of Stern, and this is what Jersey Jack doesn't get. This is what Deep Root's going to run into. This is what every other manufacturer is going to run into. The genius of Stern's business model is that everybody wins. Everyone makes money, all right? They've built a product to the point where they can make money and distributors can make money and consumers are happy. You tell me what's wrong with that model. Now you look at Jersey Jack, it's a complete opposite. His margins suck for distributors. You know, games have issues left and right. People have headaches if, if you're carrying the product line. You know, the customer service isn't the same. Now people buy a game from Jersey Jack and then they have to wait a fucking year, a fucking year. So I'm a distributor. I sold you a Pirates of the Caribbean last fucking October. And now I've got people hounding me. Well, where's my game? Jack said it would be out this time, that time, this time. People who paid on day one still don't have their fucking games a year later, right? And I just saw that uh, Pinball Star has a game available to ship tomorrow if you buy it, an LE. So I could cut the line and get it in front of everybody else who already paid. And this same shit show happens every time Jack launches a game.
So Jack's created a, a model in which distributors are like frustrated, consumers are frustrated, Jersey Jack's millions of dollars in the hole probably with all of these delays, and you tell me that like they've figured it out. They haven't, all right? All right, so that's why I threw Stern and Nick Parks a little bit of a bone. It's okay. I don't think they should be so upset. They have a tendency to overreact. Um, maybe they should go back and listen to this podcast and realize, for the most part, Canada's Pinball Podcast isn't the enemy of Stern. In fact, this podcast has probably been successful in driving a lot of those companies that have evaporated money from the pinball marketplace out of business, right? We've, we've exposed the, the charlatans and the frauds, and they're never going to come back. And you're never going to lose money with them again because they're out. They're done. And, and, and we saved people from giving money to Andrew Highway. Like, we saved people from doing that. I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to take credit here, but I'm just saying, like, when he was trying to get Hilton to shill the game to collect more money, what did we do? We took the opposite approach and we exposed him for what he was doing and how he was lying and how people like Hilton who were shilling for him should have been ashamed because the writing was on the wall and people like Kim Mitchell were trying to tell you, look, this guy's got eight failed companies. Look at everything he said. Look at all the failed promises. And everyone else wanted to turn a blind eye because I want to get my alien pinball. And we, we fucking, we held him to the flame. And what happened? We were right. We were right. All right. So let's talk about Primus. Because look, I I've been seeing all the back and forth on Primus and all the arguing and the bickering. I want everyone who listens to this podcast. I want everyone who's on Pinside. I want everyone who talks to their friends about pinball. I want all of you guys, because I didn't want to do a whole pinball babies episode around this. I want you, uh, you guys all to listen very closely here. When Stern makes a contract manufactured machine, all right, that is a machine that a third party has asked Stern to make, all right? It is not Stern's next and newest pinball machine. Complaining about contract manufactured machines makes you look like a fucking idiot, all right? Do you want to be a fucking idiot? This machine is what Primus went to Stern and could afford, Right, like if 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 Primus could afford to have Stern R and D a completely original machine from the ground up, um, you know they that Stern would do that for them, but that would cost a fortune, right? And Stern, as a marketing entity, knows that there's not a big demand for Primus pinball, and I'm, that's not like a surprise to Primus either. If Stern is like, look, we made ACDC, we made Metallica, we made Aerosmith, all right, we made Kiss. You know, if we if we made Iron Maiden, all right. So these bands collectively have sold probably close to like half a billion to a billion records, right? The fan bases of those musical acts is ginormous. And if Stern is like, we have to make at least two thousand to three thousand of these machines to 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 be worth it to make a completely ground up machine, um, then you know, can you know, Primus is not in that league or not in that category, and they know that. So what did they do? They got to make a hundred reskins of Woe Nelly, all right? And they're happy. And you know what? Primus bought everyone. So th this whole question of whether or not they'll sell out is fucking stupid because they sold out. They sold to Primus. Primus owns a hundred of them. And now they're selling them 
on Primus's, uh, you know, store on Primus.com, whatever, Primusville, whatever it's called, right? And I think they already sold like half of them in like maybe one day or like close to that. So what's the problem? And I bet by selling even just half of them, they've made enough to like break even probably on the project or maybe close to it. But my point is, is, you know, I think people look at this and if they're a Primus fan, you know, they want a completely original Primus pinball machine and they're going to complain that they didn't get like a, you know, like an Aerosmith or a Kiss or like an Iron Maiden kind of machine. You never were going to get that. You never were going to get that because you know what? If Stern made Primus from the ground up and offered it for sale, nobody would fucking want it but the few diehard Primus fans out there. And then it would be a total flop. Stern would lose so much money and they would, they don't, they're not dumb. Like they literally are not dumb. They get it right almost all the time now in terms of what games does the market want? They get that, right? So then you have the other side of it. You have Zombie Yeti, artist extraordinaire. And I want Zombie Yeti, who may or may not still listen to this show. I don't know why he's become so sensitive lately. I want Zombie Yeti to just understand one thing. You're fucking amazing, bro. You're amazing. But man, get some fucking confidence. Why do you get so bent out of shape every time someone says something negative about the pinball game? No one ever says anything about your art. But if they criticize the pinball game, right, if they shit on Woe Nelly, you come running in trying to, like, defend the entire project and defend Stern and defend everyone who works weekends and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, just take a chill pill, man. Nobody, nobody needs like that kind of overreaction to what's going on and like i'm also sorry because zombie yeti jeremy like i mean i i still consider us friends i hope and you got so mad at me because i i all i said was like you went on a show before mine and i don't you know i don't want to talk now because i also don't think people should do the pinball circuit you know mr franchi will do it. it'll go in every show like he's tom cruise promoting his next movie but it's not it's pinball like once you get the interview out in the world it doesn't need to be said 15 times but anyway no hard feelings man i love your work but i, I just don't you know i don't understand one thing zombie yeti jeremy you're paid for your work it's a job you took a job you got paid to do it you did it you know i don't understand like the whole thing about like the swan song about how hard it is and how challenging it is. And if only, but you got paid. Everyone who listens to this show, most of us, work is work. Work can suck. Work can keep you late at night. Work can take over your weekends. You know, I don't come out here. Yeah, I mean, like there's parts of my job I love. There's parts I fucking hate. If I make one more fucking PowerPoint deck that goes nowhere in my career, I swear to God, I want to slit my wrist. But man, it's work. I get paid. You know, that's the contract I made. If, if, if it's so stressful and taxing on you, Jeremy, then just renegotiate your contract. Then make it worth your while. But to, to the point where like you're burnt out, then you maybe took on too many projects, but nobody did that to you but you, man. So like what I'm kind of trying to say is I hope Zombietti stays in this industry, but I hope he can figure out the balance because I feel like he's just like... He's just over it all and he's tired of it all. And he kind of thinks we all suck because we bitch about the layout of Woe Nelly. But it's also part of pinball. You know, you're allowed to critique these things, Jeremy. You're allowed to like come in and say, I think this looks like shit. 
You're allowed to come in and say, I think this shoots like shit. You know why? Because it's a non-essential toy that's costing a lot of money. And people are going to have opinions about it. And Pinside is the, is, is the lion's den. Like people are, you're, you're going to go in there and get the most candid, honest, like even troll-like feedback. So I don't know what he's actually trying to accomplish at times. You know, we're not all going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and just applaud every new pinball machine that comes out there. You know, the reason why the Beatles had so much sort of anger, it's different, right, than Primus. The Beatles, you could argue, is the biggest band of all time, right? The Beatles once said they were bigger than, than Jesus or God, right? And they were. They were the most popular thing in the world for so many, you know, for so many years. But it's not just that. The impact they had on culture and the amount of fans they had, um, no other band has ever experienced that. Maybe the, the second closest would probably be like Michael Jackson, right, in terms of an impact on culture and fans around the world. So when people looked at the Beatles pinball machine and they saw that Stern just reskinned an old machine, I understand why people are upset. I think Stern could have done more to give that band what they deserved and they would have sold every one. But that to me, you know, that one looks like the cash grab, right? It does. It looks like the one where Stern realized they could do less and sell it for more and more money. More money in the pocket for Joe, more money in the pocket for Stern, more money in the pocket for the distributors. And if anyone thinks that the diamond and the platinum editions are simply not, you know, they're simply smoke screens to get you guys to think the gold edition is of, is of value. You know, $8,000 for a gold edition machine. See, that's what Stern doesn't want you to think about. They don't want Canada to go on the airwaves and say, look, I probably think it costs them in terms of actual physical materials to make to make a Beatles pinball machine, it costs probably two to three thousand dollars, right? If you look at what's in that machine, and then they're gonna sell it for eight, and then twelve, and then twenty-five thousand dollars. How fucking stupid is that? I'm looking at a thirty-five thousand dollar Honda Civic Type R and all the engineering that goes into making a fucking car. And you're going you're gonna to charge almost that for a Diamond Edition Beatles. But people will buy it. People will buy it because, you know, some of these collectors, they don't care. You know, Stern is banking on your emotional connection to these themes. But again, I don't blame Stern because at the end of the day, nobody is forcing you to buy any of it. Nobody's making you buy Primus. Nobody's making you buy Beatles. Nobody's making you buy any of these games. If you want to send Stern a message that you think the value is not there, then just don't buy it. It's that simple, okay? All right. Now, speaking of monsters, that's the next one from Stern. And we've been speculating when is this game coming out, right? Is it going to be mid-December? Is it going to be January? Well, there's a podcast out there that uh, covers like horror, spooky-themed entities. And they did a podcast. I think they're called the Swear Wolves Podcast. And they did an interview with the actor who played Eddie Munster recently. And they brought up the pinball machine from Stern. And I want to play for you what he says about when this game's going to be revealed. And let's discuss this. Now, the Stern Pinball Company yeah. it appears that they're working on a Munster's pinball machine. They have not only worked on it, they've completed it. They've completed it. Uh, can you tell us about uh, anything <laughs> with that pinball machine? All I know is I'm going to go to the Pinball Exposition World Headquarters in the 
in March in Texas for their unveiling of oh, it. Oh, wow. Excellent. And yeah. bringing my cars along, and they're bringing down Pat Priest, Marilyn Munster, to join in the festivities. And then uh, and then they're going to un- unveil the game. Unveil the game. And uh, I guess Leela's a, a finagled, uh, my wife has finagled them to load one into my trailer. Awesome. And oh, take one awesome. home. <laughs> nice. Very cool. So that's we a are, good thing. We are all big pinball yeah. collectors. But you know what's as funny? Well. You know what's funny about that is it's amazing it took them this long to figure out that a Munsters would be a successful pinball machine because the Adams family is the most popular pinball yeah, machine right. of all yeah, time. Exactly. And yeah. it's such an easy no-brainer to figure, well, we should have made a Munster one a long time ago, but better late than never. Better late than never is right. So look, he's saying that Munsters is not going to be revealed until TPF in March. And look, I don't know if he's right. And here's why. Because I think Stern always does this. They always want to have um, some special guest at the shows, right? Because it makes the, the seminars more interesting. It, it makes uh, the event more interesting. When you can come have Eddie Munster there, he could sign translates. He could sign games. He can sign things. Uh, but I, do, I can't imagine Stern is going to wait until March. Uh, with Deadpool being in August... There is no way they're going to wait that long to come out with their next cornerstone title. Because remember, the Beatles and Primus are two contract manufactured games. They're not considered stern cornerstone releases. So, I, I, look, and I'm hearing all these things from distributors that we're going to see it in January. So, uh, it's just going to be interesting because, like, if they had released it in January, January, February, you know, that's three months before what Eddie Munster says is going to be the reveal date. So what do you think? Do you think they're going to wait that long? I don't. I I really don't. I also think it's kind of crazy that Stern doesn't really have a take my money now machine during the holidays of 2018. And I think that's a big miss. I really do. I think a lot of people are in that mindset to buy stuff like pinball machines. And right now, I mean, I think Deadpool demand is really sort of softened. Uh, Beatles not for most, Primus, not for hardly anyone. There really isn't that fourth quarter machine that has people like clamoring for it. And fourth quarter is usually when you have your big like A title. So um, we'll see. I mean, we could see it revealed in two weeks and Stern takes your money now and they ship in January. That was my guess is that we were going to see the Munsters revealed in mid-December and then we would have... um, you know, them ship in January, February, which makes sense. And then I think at March, they will have people from the Munsters franchise on hand um, to be part of the Stern celebration of the game. And that always makes sense to me, right? Stern is not, because think about it like this. When's the last time Stern revealed a game at a show? They don't do it like that anymore. They are not the company anymore that goes to a show and pulls the sheet off at a show. They go to the show to talk about how they made the game. The games are always already out or they release the games after the shows, but shows are not in Stern's reveal tactic, right? That's not how they, they do reveals anymore. All right, what else is going on in pinball? So Pirates of the Caribbean, all right? Not much to say been back in the thread. I I guess I should just stop communicating that every time I go into the thread, it's just more about like troubles out of the box of the game. And I saw something yesterday that just made me literally just like scratch my head. Someone told me something and and maybe this is a rumor. They said they're worried about Jersey Jack pinball. Um, They said, you know, they just can't get games out the door quickly. 
Uh, but the big thing they were worried about is, is the workers. Who works at Jersey Jack Pinball? Who are making these games? Are these the same employees he's had uh, since Waz and Hobbit days? You know, and, and what they were saying is, is the, the speculation is that the people building Pirates of the Caribbean pinball machines are temp workers. All right, that's what the speculation, these are temp workers, that they're not, you know, nine to six, Monday through Friday workers, but they're coming in and they're, they have to be trained as temps to like make these games. And that is why we're seeing, you know, just a lot of quality control issues. Now, I don't know if this is accurate or not. Uh, I, you know, again, this is a podcast, canadapinball at gmail.com. Anybody can come on this show or anyone at Jersey Jack can make a comment or email me, um, Eric or Jack or anyone. I mean, are there temp workers making these games? Now, I don't know if you saw this, but someone unboxes their Pirates of the Caribbean the other day. They unbox it. And you know the compass on the apron that's supposed to point where you're supposed to shoot at next? Well, that person's compass was installed by the factory upside down, all right? Which means that the compass was pointing at the person's crotch. And maybe the next shot that is the most important one you take when you buy a, a, a JJP machine is to your balls. Because at this point, I, I don't understand why they can't figure this shit out. And again, it continues to be the most baffling company to me because I want them to succeed so hard and yet, how are you manufacturing a game and shipping a $9,500 item to consumers with something installed upside down, right? Where's the quality control? Isn't every game turned on? And don't you have like simple things to check to make sure everything's in the right place? And hey, look, it's not a huge thing. It's one game. We're not going to blow it out of proportion. But it speaks to the underlying concern a lot of people have, is that the games are getting rushed out the door, they're not being built to the standard that they should be, and when when you know and 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 again I think it creates a climate of I'll just wait. Why would I buy Jersey Jack machine in the first run, which always is the most problematic run? I mean there were problems with Waz, problems with Hobbit. You know, even problems with dialed in. There's always like that thing that makes you just want to wait, right? Speaking of like waiting, where is the collector's edition of Pirates of the Caribbean? Where is it? I mean, it's $12,500 and people don't even know what they're buying. Where is the improved like armor? Where is it? Are they going to show people? Speaking of collector's editions, here's something that is a real eye opener and should make everyone think twice about where this hobby's at. How much was dialed in collector's edition when it was offered to the world? Only 150 collector's editions of dialed in Pat Lawler's glorious return to pinball. Jersey Jack Pinball sold them for $12,500, right? Just like a year ago. Remember, he was only going to make the amount of orders he got by midnight. And then, you know, he sort of lied about that and made 150 exactly. I don't think they've made that many, to be honest. So there's not that many in the world, right? Only 150 of a Pat Lawler machine that's got so much in it. If this doesn't show how much Jack missed the mark on this theme, on this game, and on his approach with creating hype around limited versions of his games, someone paid $12,500 for a dialed-in collector's edition. They are selling that game 
with very low plays for guess how much in basically just like a year's time, $9,800 or best offer or best offer. All right. So let's say like you offer him $9,500 and he takes it. So that person lost $3,000 in one year on a Jersey Jack pinball collector's edition. You know what the problem with that is now? If I look at that and that's what that game tanked in one year, how are you ever going to get excited about going in on a $12,500 Pirates of the Caribbean Collector's Edition? Right? I know we added more to the Pirates Collector's Edition, but to lose that much in one year, I think just shows that Jack just doesn't understand how to like market his games. He doesn't understand how to make a limited edition version of the game that holds value that people want to keep um, that, you know, and, and he's, and it's so silly to me because he's got Stern showing him exactly how to do it. Right. And, and look, look at on the flip side, I paid $15,000 for Batman super limited edition, right? 15 grand. That's almost 3000 more than a collector's edition. All right. What do you think I could get? If I listed my Batman Super LE for sale right now, right? From day one, my game has had a playfield protector on it. It's got all the mods you want in the game. It's mint. Nothing's wrong with it, right? All right. I think the biggest thing is the playfield protector because those games, if you look at them, they dimple like crazy. I mean, like bad dimpling. I, 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 again, I, I, I still think there's cheaper wood and whatever being used nowadays. But anyway, all right. I bet you. If I went to sell my Batman Super Early, I could get seventeen to eighteen thousand dollars for it tomorrow. I bet it would go up in value easily. Game's incredible. It's Batman, Adam West's last project. It's never gonna lose value. Ever. It just won't. It's a work of art. There's nothing about that machine uh, that ever makes me regret owning it. I, I've played it today. I love it. I love the machine. And people are are all saying that. And you know. That's the crazy part, right? So then I think I can almost get $18,000 for Batman and Jack's getting $9,800 for dialed in collector's edition. That's almost a $9,000 difference in, in who got it right and who got it wrong. So here's my wish for JJP. You know, and I, and I think this is going to be the big question mark we all have. Will Jack show up at TPF with a new game that finally becomes the hit we've all been waiting for. That is all this, that to me, that is the only thing that I'm looking forward to at Jersey Jack these days. I'm not looking forward to going deep into the Pirates code and I'm not. I, I just, as I've said before on, on even, you know, other podcasts, I, I think this title is just a miss. I don't think people are into the movies. I, I don't care. I don't care to select from 22 characters. I don't want it. And if you want it, cool. If you love it, cool. Come on the show. Tell me why. I, I happily have you on. But I, I don't think this is the one. Jack needs a hit. This company is trying so hard and is so close every time. But the next game, right, has to be the one. And this is it. Is it going to be Willy Wonka or Toy Story? You know, if I'm the marketer in me, I'm the marketing in me, the market, the marketing in me, the marketer in me says it needs to be Toy Story 
because Toy Story 4 is coming out in 2019. The timing is perfect. Jack needs this game to be a part of the Toy Story 4 marketing machine. Because think about it like this. If Jack gets Toy Story out the door in 2019, in time for the movie, you can't tell me that all of the media, all the Toy Story fans, all the Disney activities that are going to happen, guess where? At movie theaters, it wouldn't be perfect for Jersey Jack to do some sort of deal with Disney to have this game on location in a lot of key cities uh, and in key movie theaters to celebrate the release of Toy Story 4. This is what you need to do, Jack. I mean, if I'm Jack right now, I'm telling everyone, we need to hit this date with everything we have. Remember what Hobbit failed to do? It failed to come out in time for the third Hobbit movie. And what a fucking missed opportunity, right? You want Toy Story fans who are all excited to realize that they can put one of these games in their home. And I think we've, we've all but squashed the stupid comment around it not being a good pin pinball theme. I think Toy Story could be one of the greatest pinball machines of all time. And if I'm Jack, seriously, I'm even like pulling resources from everything else that is being worked on and saying, all hands on deck to get Toy Story revealed at TPF. But you know what? What, TPF's in March, April, May? So the movie comes out in the summer. Look, I think Jack needs to reveal Toy Story and have the game on the line. Here's the problem with Jack. To do that, to do that, he's got to reveal it probably by TPF because he's got to order all the parts. He's got to get everything going. He's got to get the line going, right? The demand for Toy Story will blow away anything he's ever had before, and he needs to get ready for that. He can't have temp workers installing shit upside down. He can't have like a delay in parts, and then we have to wait till like eight months after the reveal to get the game. This game needs to be like bulletproof, awesome, and a standard body Pat Lawler design machine. And I think you're going to see Jack finally get the machine out into the world that we've all been waiting for, right? And I think that's the key. I mean, I, 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 that's, that's my dream. I just want this machine, Jack. I will tell you right now, I will order the collector's edition of Toy Story tomorrow if you make it available. The money is waiting for this game, right? I don't know if anyone over there listens to this. I don't know. I know we've pissed off probably every single person over there, for, you know. But again, it's because we care the most about you guys, all right? Get it done. All right, speaking of getting it done, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle at Spooky. Where are these games? I think they're coming soon. I think Charlie's, like, stockpiling production and just going to, like, open the floodgates soon. Um, but clearly he's had some delay in parts. This isn't like Charlie to make people wait so long. Uh, it, it really wasn't. He could have waited to Expo to reveal the game. It, uh, he could have just kept selling TNA and just waited. I, I think he's probably learned an important lesson here. Um, you know, we'll see. I, I just want people to get Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle so we can get some reviews by people. Uh, this game has still been um, very, you know, it hasn't really been played very often. And we haven't really received a lot of video around it. And, you know, I think Charlie's in an interesting situation because while he's getting sales, 
I really do think he's going to feel the pressure uh, in terms of like, are the games great enough to compete in the current pinball landscape? And with every new player coming into the landscape, more and more pressure on Charlie uh, to make these games even better than they currently are. Because as we're going to see in 2019, artwork is not good enough anymore because everyone's going to have good artwork. The game's got to shoot as good as it looks, right? And you can't disguise just good artwork and good LCD animations. That's not going to be enough, I think, to make people want to keep the pinball machine, right? The gameplay is what makes you keep a machine for the most part. Uh, not sure if it's there on this title, but we'll see once people get it, all right? Um, people are getting their Monster Bash remakes. That's awesome. Chicago Gaming knows how to do it. They fucking revealed it, and people are getting their games. That's how it's fucking done. It's also a remake of a game that's been out for 20 years, so there's not a ton of new news around it, but it's an incredible machine, and everyone I know who's ordered one is super excited to get it. So I congratulate Chicago Gaming Company in being the only other company that has learned the ultimate lesson. Reveal your game within two months of shipping it. If you can't ship it within two months, don't fucking reveal it, all right? All right, American Pinball, Oktoberfest, where is it? I know they've reached out to other artists to try and get them to help with the artwork. I'm not sure if that means a complete redo of the artwork. I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna sound really, really mean, and it's gonna sound really, really insensitive, but looking at everything that's about to happen in the pinball industry, Oktoberfest is going to be dead on arrival because they had one chance to reveal this game, to create a hype and a take my money now scenario, and they failed. And they're not going to get a second chance at it. And they've, that's it. That's the reality of pinball people. I, I mean, this is not Canada being a jerk. This is just the reality of where we are. You know what your competition is. You know what your competition is giving consumers in the form of artwork, in the form of animations, in the form of layouts, in the form of toys, in the form of like cabinet design, in the form of like sound, right? You know what is out there. You know that a lot of people are competing for those dollars. And if you want to make a new pinball company and you want to break through, you know, five years ago, people would just support Spooky because he was a new guy. Right? People would just support any new pinball venture because they wanted to support pinball. But we've, we've passed, you know, and we've crossed the Rubicon now. We're no longer like that. Like, I'm just going to go in and buy this because I want to support new pinball companies. Yeah. That, you, know, you, know who, you know how many orders that gets you as a company? 50. 50. If you need to survive, you need to sell 500. You need to sell 1,000 for these companies that are trying to, like, you know, set up warehouses, Right? and set up manufacturing facilities. American Pinball needs to sell a lot more than 50. And we can all agree that Houdini was not a sales success. It, it, it wasn't, all right? It came out, people loved it, people didn't like it. You could get it used for about like 1,000 to 1,500 off of new, and then all of a sudden you're dead. See, that's the problem with all these new manufacturers is once your title starts trading, for a, a nice discount, like 15 to 20% cheaper than new on the secondhand market and the games sit for sale at that price, you're done. You're, it's over. Like you, you, you've lost. You, you've lost the ability to get a lot of new sales, right? You're just, be, because again, these smaller companies, their buyer base 
are the people on pin side. It's the collectors who all know each other, who all know the game, right? You're not going to get a lot of random people walking into a, a pinball distributor and picking a Houdini over the kinds of themes that Stern has, right? How, how, imagine if you're new to pinball and you walk into a distributor or a, a place like the pinball company, right? And Nick Parks has all these games lined up and you want, I want a game for my house. How are you ever going to land at Houdini being the one out of all those themes that Stern is giving you, right? Now, th the way you get there is you got to make the games better. And, and I'm just saying, look, I think these guys got some work to do. I think they need to reevaluate what they're doing. If I have any advice for American Pinball, Normal, and Davil, and the, the team over there, all right, this game's going to be DOA. I would be in emergency mode right now securing securing a new game to come out within the next six months and i would i would go all in on trying to get the big lebowski rights from barry and yop i would i would do whatever it took because that game is fully designed there are buyers for that game it literally just needs to be manufactured i would do whatever it takes to get the big lebowski made um, and i would fly over there and i would strike a deal we know yap is sick right we, we're sorry to hear that we know that dutch pinball is not going to figure this out i think you need to make them a deal and manufacture that game i think you need to call up the guy who has the nightmare before Christmas. I think you need to see what it would take to get that game made. It looks awesome. I think you need to, they need to pull a, a Scott Denisi TNA spooky deal. That is what this company desperately needs. They need to see something people want. They need to not roll the dice on letting Joe Balser make a theme that he wanted to make 20 years ago that nobody would let him make. And then they just let him make it. All right, that's the market research. Do you know, that's the story Joe Balser wanted to make Oktoberfest for the longest time. And they just let him do it. You know, and it really does highlight for me that like Davo and company over there, they, they don't have a vision for this company whatsoever. Remember, these are the people that let John Papaduke sit in their shop for a year and just tinker in the back and do nothing. Like they stood over... They stood over Magic Girl and said, yep, this is good enough. Let's send it to people. They stood over John's Houdini design and, and thought it actually could work. They don't know anything about pinball. They don't know anything about pinball, right? Ben Heck stands over Houdini and within 30 seconds, he's like, this game's not going to work. This geometry's off. Nothing's ever going to shoot right. So look, my if, if, if I'm predicting 2019, this company to me is going to be in the biggest trouble unless they pull a deal soon and get a game on the line that people want to buy and gobble up. But Oktoberfest is not going to be it. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry, Joe. This is just like the market is the market is going to tell you this. Not not Canada, the market. And you had your chance. You had your chance. You should have sold 500 Oktoberfest by now after Expo. Did you? Let's be honest. How many do we think sold after that? And they're still selling them and they haven't even finalized the game. That's not how you do it. It's amateur hour. There's too much good stuff coming out to be doing it that way. All right. My final point of this podcast, um, Ed Robertson has still not agreed to come on the show. Apparently he's having so much fun 
having fun and he doesn't think this show would be fun. But I look, I'm here to tell you, Ed, you come on this show. It'll be one of the most fun episodes we ever do on this podcast. Maybe you can ask George Gomez and Gary Stern permission to come on the show. That's probably the problem is, is Ed, Ed is in deep with Stern. And if he comes on the show, then he's going to think it's like disrespecting Tim and his friends over at Stern. But let me tell you, we've buried the hatchet. I've apologized to everyone over there. You know, no one got hurt. I, you know, I, I'm not going to throw drinks in people's faces anymore. I'm not going to show up to tournaments and, and overconsume. I'm sorry, right? I had a bad moment and it's over. But you can come on the show and explain to me how Beatles pinball is cool at $25,000 because it's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. This shit's fun. All right, Ed, I love you. Happy holidays, brother. Um, what else is going on? One last thing. Um, this thread is hysterical. The Iceman put up a post about pinball trends in 2019. What's funny about this post, you go, you read it, and there's actually no real pinball trends going on. It's just Iceman starting a thread so that Iceman can just have one-on-one conversations with people about pinball. He really should just name the thread, hey, come in here and talk to me about pinball so I can like hyper-post all day long. right? That way he's not spamming another thread that's about... Um, you know, something else, he should have his own like section. Like, you know, we should have like manufacturer sections and then we should have like the pin side hyper users should have their own, like they should have their own threads, right? So it should, it should just be like Hilton's corner of idiocracy, right? So you go in the Hilton's corner of idiocracy and there's Hilton explaining to everybody how uh, the, p- the pinball should not be internet connected that we should not have Wi-Fi and pinball, that that's silly. It's silly that a toy in 2018 should have internet connectivity, that people could be able to download code using Wi-Fi, or yet you could actually compete with people across the world uh, if you wanted to sync up with multiplayer, you know? That's silly. Why would we ever do that? Why would we ever move into the internet age? You know, Hilton, everything should just stay archaic, you know? Yeah, great, real smart guy. Um, But one of the points that Iceman made was that, you know, one of the resolutions he wants to see or or thinks for 2019 is more manufacturers coming on pin side. And I would love to see that too. And, And that day would come if the problem is this. It's like it's ironic that Iceman is asking for that because the real problem is the hyper users on there that just are over obsessed and don't let things go. They're the reason why Stern and Jersey Jack, they don't come on. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's solely because of those, like, there's like 20 to 30 people that just would attack these manufacturers left and right, that it's not worth it. And also because pinball sales have had their best years ever in the last couple of years. And that is without manufacturers coming on pin side. I think that is proof enough that pin side actually does nothing to impact the sales of pinball. And if I'm stern, why would I go on there? You know, it, now I think what they should do is is do more podcasts. I do, and I'm not just saying mine. I, I think when Stern goes out there and tells their story, I think that is the best way to market these machines. Because let's be honest, the only person that gives a fuck about John Borg and and Pat Lawler, right, and Dwight Sullivan and Lyman Sheets, it, like literally the only people that even know, like out of all the pinball that's bought, I would say like only. 10 to 15% of pinball machines sold around the world uh, even know who those fucking people are. 
right? They're, they're, you know, it's the diehard core that actually cares about those, you know, individuals and knows their contributions to these machines, you know, that listens to the podcast like this. Um, but again, like, you know, I would just love for Stern to tell the stories more often, you know, I, and, and, and that's, and I think Stern could just do that on their own, right? I think they could do it on their own. I think they could just make better videos. I think Stern, if I were them, I would create my own, like, just podcast channel and, and just have, a, a, you know, do the State of the Union once a month as a podcast where you actually talk to people. I think it's kind of lazy to do the State of the Union as just, like, an email or a newsletter. But if you're listening, you know, Stern marketing team, you should do a monthly podcast that's just, you know, State of the Union. And then you can have people come on the show and talk about what's going on. Where's the code? What's this? Where's the topper? Like, how are things going? You know, I think it would be good. I think it'd be good. And if you don't mind me suggesting, I think I should, ha I should host that podcast. I, I think it'd be great. Canada's Stern State of the Union podcast. We would, we would break the internet. It would be amazing. Anyway, everyone, it's coming to an end with my wedding on Saturday. So I hope you enjoy this show, episode 286. If anything I've said has ruffled your feathers, if you think I'm being unfair to American Pinball, if you think I'm being unfair to Jersey Jack, if you think I'm shilling stern, whatever you think, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. I will read your comments and I will respond. Okay? It's real simple. All right? Everybody, have a great week. It's only Tuesday. Um, lots more pinball conversation coming in the next few days probably before I take a little bit of a hiatus uh, during my wedding. Not doing a honeymoon right after. I'm not. I'm not going to travel the world like Roto Dave and play pinball on my honeymoon. I'm simply going to do a little staycation with Brenda. And then the plan is to go to Japan at some point next year. Right? So that's the deal. Everybody, have a great day. And please, if you can, donate to my Patreon account, Canada Pinball. All right? Love you guys. Bye. In the